Hi, my name is Elizabeth Mayer, and um, many years ago, my life started in diapers, cloth diapers. Hi, I'm Jill. And I'm Ashley. And this is Poverty Pitfalls and the Price of Diapers. Ashley, you've been not feeling super great. Yeah, I've had my first cold in two years. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it's weird because I like haven't, I don't know, I feel like we don't often see each other, but I at least see you at work or in passing. I haven't really seen you this week. What's going on? What's happening in your world? Well, <laughs> I'm trying sick. <laughs> yeah, well, that's taken up the last couple of days, but just mm-hmm. ramping up for everything that needs to go out for the diaper bowl. Oh, we finally got the um, preliminary images from our graphic designer. <gasps> so I have something to work with. So Exciting. been creating a bunch of material to promote that and learning about our new platform. And so, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Diaper Bowl, our biggest fundraiser of the year, September 13th, right? 12th. This year, 12th. Ooh, yep. September 12th. 13th last year. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, September 12th this year, it'll be in our parking lot. It's super fun. Tailgate style, big party. It's always really, well, always, this is our second year, but it was really fun last year. Yeah. So be even I more mean, fun this year. I think it's going to be great. Hopefully we too. can be more out front this year and because yeah. last year it was just kind of you know needed to be where we needed to be yes there's a lot of work to do behind the scenes last year but hopefully we'll have that under yeah. control and we can just enjoy and hang out yeah and get to With know all. some of our supporters a little better yeah. yeah well i'm excited today we have big news at happy bottoms we've hired an operations director Elizabeth Mayer brings over 25 years of experience um, as an operations director leader. Um, And, and we need that experience right now with our operations as you know, as happy bottoms continues to grow and evolve. We just got to the point where we really needed somebody with that knowledge and we are so incredibly lucky to have found her. Um, and we're going to talk to her today. So I'm really excited. And I hope you guys enjoy Elizabeth Mayer. And uh, feel free to stop by and say hi to her sometime. <laughs> um, but this is Elizabeth. I was born in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And I grew up for an early part of my life with cloth diapers mm-hmm. in a variety of places being washed or dried or soaked or something. <laughs> um, and some of this is probably, you know, uh, sort of like a, a memory and then what people like my family has told me, but mm-hmm. um, yes. So we, I have, I'm the oldest of three. I have a younger brother who's we're close in age. He's just a year and a half younger. And then I have a sister Um, who's five years younger. And are you guys all pretty close? Pretty close. Look look at how hesitant I sound when I say that. (laughs) Um, My brother lives in Boulder um, with his wife and my sister lives up in Chicagoland um, outside of Chicago, which is where my parents ended up and where they still live. So 
Um, yes, we're in terms of adulthood, we're probably about as close as the average family. Yeah. As close as um, you can be when you all live in, we all live different, different places. places. Wait, so we have to talk about this cloth diapers for a minute because our very first podcast, we had Tess Koppelman on and we got into a really long conversation about cloth diapers, um, which had a lot of people up in arms to be quite frank, um, because we talked a little bit about how kind of it was almost, you know, when disposable diapers did come out, it was almost kind of like, oh, that's a luxury to be able to have disposable diapers. And it's almost like the tables have turned a little bit now that it's more of a luxury to have disposable diapers. There are a lot of people who do not feel that way. And I respect that. Um, but I think that talking to our clients and, and a lot of our clients would feel that way. You know, they don't have washer and dryer. They can't afford a service. They can't take the diapers on the bus. They, you know, plus frankly, I, I'm exhausted as much as it is. And I don't need government assistance programs. So adding that stress could not be fun. No. And that's, that's an excellent point because I grew up in a time where cloth or pardon me, Disposable diapers had been invented, mm -hmm. but they were quite costly for an average family. I mean, a bundle of, of cloth diapers was just much more affordable. Right. And you typically, I mean, I grew up, my mother washed them. And if it was normal, you know, spring, summer, fall, everything was outside on the line. Um, mm, yeah. I, mean, I grew up in a traditional two-parent household mm -hmm. with the dad who worked and the mom who was director of operations for the house and all the other <laughs> I stuff. I love that. And you all know. the other stuff. Um, and so and with my three mom, kids, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so I, I do, I, I had thought I remembered this, but I did ask my mother this recently um, that definitely when my sister came along, and she came along in 1964 um, and she, my mom would keep a, a small supply of disposable diapers on hand for like vacations or some something, but they weren't, it wasn't regularly used. So, and as, as a parent myself, I did the, I was, you know, really researched and did all my homework with my first child and, um, did cloth diapers. Wow. Um, however, I did cloth diapers for about mm, four, four or five months mm -hmm. until it was like crunch time. And it, and we had a daycare lined up and everything, but in that time, um, which is the mid eighties, Mm -hmm. So my oldest son was born in um, 1985 mm. and he, it, it was like, it was just daycares had, have a hard time managing cloth cool streams of diapering. Right. Um, and so it just, you know, it wasn't like a, absolutely not, but the parent has to do a lot of the organization of it and deal with it. And I just didn't have, I, it, I just didn't have the bandwidth for it. I yeah. didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I already knew there was already other stuff I didn't know I was doing and I couldn't uh, add to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And um, so, and then my, my younger, my kiddos are six years apart. And so mm -hmm. when my younger son was born, um, I, I, I only lasted in cloth for about two months mm -hmm. because he was just a much, his birth weight was much bigger, larger than my first mm -hmm. child. And he ate all the time. And so then. <laughs> so then he's pooping all the time. He was, I just could not. <laughs> and again, I was just like, okay, this, I can't do that. You know, there is something to be said about the absorbability of, of disposable diapers and particularly for the overnights for overnight. I don't remember who I was talking to. Um, actually it was last night, I think. And some women were talking about how it's really, it's kind of like, breastfeeding. Sure. One might be optimal, but everybody has to do what works for them. Everybody exactly. has to, and, and we're all doing the best. So, and I haven't read anything recent by any means, mm -hmm. but definitely when Milton, my younger son was coming along and I was still on the fence about whether I was going to even do cloth again or what I was going to do. There was some, there were some studies done from the, just the environmental stance um, in terms of the cost to manufacture disposable diapers and then the this, this disposal of them, plus mm -hmm. the purchasing and if you use a service and the, the laundering and laundering. all of that. And it was pretty much a wash. Mm -hmm. There wasn't any dramatic um, costs. It, it was like yeah. less than a penny or something. It was no dramatic cost difference um, in choosing cloth yeah. disposable. Yeah. All right, let's get back to you. <laughs> so St. Louis, two, two parent household, two, two parent household. My father, okay. father got a job right after he graduated from college with Emerson electric, which is headquartered in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Wow. And he got a job. My folks got married mm -hmm. and nine months later I showed up. It was very, it was very <laughs> timely. It was, the, the timing right. was, you know, very organized. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. Also in that era, sidebar, you know, my mom was a working lady after she got out of high school and yeah. she went to a, a six month business school and got a job. Um, but after she, she started showing her pregnancy, um, it was a policy at the company that she had to resign. So she had to quit working when she was probably no. six months along with me, six or seven months along with me. And so I certainly, I was a working mom, I guess, technically I still am, but whatever, <laughs> that was a thing. And I can remember asking her because it's like, you know, I'm, it's my first pregnancy and it's like, you're going to the bath. And I was like, how did you, how did you do this? Because it was very formulaic, um, rule-driven work environment and you had you could only take a break at certain times and she said you just you just did it you just held it till it was break time so that was I didn't I I was not aware of this at all so I'm guessing that you know this wasn't an isolated incident that was just probably a policy was, at most places yeah I mean she worked so when you started showing you couldn't work there anymore mm-hmm because it, it does it was also a thing like you didn't go to work and say, hey, everybody, guess what? We're right. gonna have a baby. I'm pregnant. You, yeah, you, you, you tried to you hide that as long yeah, as you, you did. didn't talk about it. And you you strove to 
minimize what, what was really going on. So I'm guessing they didn't hold your job for, you know, after you had the baby. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you didn't feel great, you just had, you had to like, just buck it up, buck it up. And I mean, you know, if this was, she, she was, so my mother's job was, she was like one of the first computers. So she worked for, um, a pretty decently sized grocery store chain. Mm-hmm. And so yep. she was like this key punch operator, computer lady. Wow. Well, that was her. She did that at, she had two, she had, she worked for two different grocery store chains. And so she worked, she worked seven years before. So oh, my, my dad, so my dad, um, his, so his career with Emerson electric, <laughs> caused our family to move several times. Mm. And so growing up, I lived in, in a number of places. So started out in St. Louis. Um, we then moved to Philadelphia. Um, when I was 10, we moved to the Netherlands. And then when I was 15, came back to the States um, and kind of did this weird backwards trip, came back to Philadelphia for not quite two years, then back to St. Louis. And by that time I was graduating from high school Mm -hmm. and the summer I graduated, they were moving again. So my first year of college, I went to MU in Columbia and on there, they were moving to Pella, Iowa. They organized everything so that as they were on their drive to Pella, Iowa with the two cars, um, they dropped me off in Columbia (laughs) College. at college. And my brother helped me carry my stuff up the steps. Wow. And my dad waited in the car. He was like, you know, bye. Good luck. Yeah. Um, My mother came upstairs to my dorm room because she wanted to see Uh where I was going to be. But then it was, you know, peace out. Mm. We'll see you. How? Yeah. So it's it's just like, it's it's just different now. And that's fine. It is very amusing sometimes when I think about it. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, okay, bye. (laughs) Here I am now. How did you, I'm guessing, I mean, I don't know. I can't imagine you ever get used to that moving when you're a kid, that kind of. You know, it's one of, it's one of those things is that when you grow up with it, particularly when like I was five or five Mm -hmm. and a half, the first time we moved when your parents say, okay, we're moving and you just, you just go. Right. And you don't really. But those high school years, the the high school years were a little tough. It it was kind of interesting though, because we ended up back in the same neighborhood in Philadelphia. I went, I was reconnecting then with kids I'd started out in elementary school with, but we just had this like gap of time that, that was probably a little bit of a rougher move for the three of us, particularly because my father and my mother did not really want to tell us. And so we found out because the real estate agent called the house and I answered the phone. Oh no. (laughs) So she wanted to know, Uh, she wanted to talk to whoever, my mother to ask about something. And I think, I think my mother wasn't available. So I had to take a message. Spilled the beans. But this was back before answering. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I miss those days when kids had uh, to answer the phone and like wanted to talk on the phone. 
yeah. Um, so, as, you know, there were some benefits to having less technology, I think, um, because you had to learn some phone skills. Absolutely. I mean, moms all over the place do all the stuff. You know, we, mm-hmm. we pretty much know that. <laughs> and dads <laughs> do a lot of stuff too. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Dads do a lot of stuff. But my mom in... When I was growing up, she took care of all the details of the moves and she just had to, you know, do all those logistics. So my dad had the benefit of just focusing on his career. Did you guys Um, um, go over on a ship or did you fly over? We flew. Okay. Um, I just, I have friends who, um, one is from the Netherlands and, and they move back and forth between the States and for some reason, they often take a, a ship across. Someday I, I would like to do that. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. But it, what my dad um, actually, when the, when his transfer was like initiated or whatever, mm-hmm. he started out there maybe three or four months before we even got there. So my mom mm-hmm. took care of the whole, all Oof. the move stuff. Our household ended, was on, you know, put on a shipping container. Yeah. And then we didn't leave until the day after the, a day or two after the shipping container arrived Mm. at the house. What an experience though. Mm. So by the, by the end of the summer, we could all speak Dutch. Wow. That's so cool. Can you still speak Dutch? (laughs) (laughs) I wish, but I I didn't, you know, it's like, it's truly, if you don't use it. Yep. You'll lose it. Yeah. And I just didn't have... I can, I can understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, yeah, it'll be interesting. Eventually I'll get back there. It'll be interesting to see if it, if it starts to like flow. Right. Out right. Of my mouth you... after I've been there. But <laughs> anyway. So, so when and how did you learn about poverty? That's a really intriguing question. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's obviously it's a good question, but I have, I was thinking about that and I realized that I probably always knew about poverty because um, growing up, I, it was reinforced that is if I had food to eat and clothes to wear, I was in good shape. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what we had, but certainly my mother grew up in a, in a small town, very small town in central Kansas. And my dad, my grandfather was a silo builder. And they pretty much, uh, pretty much lived hand to mouth. Mm. And there was not a lot of extra anything. Mm-hmm. And my mother grew up, you know, going with my grandmother to different places to where my grandmother would do odd jobs. Like she was a really great wallpaper hanger. And wow. um, my mother, you know, started babysitting other families when she was probably eight or nine years old. And Um, she's the youngest of two. So I think in the sense of just growing up and, you know, how your parents will say, you know, well, I didn't have that or. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We all make about, you know, walking a mile in the snow and that type of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's sort of a joke, but in my mother's case, it was kind of true. It's true. Um, yeah. My mom tells a story about how she went to the school dance and her mom drove her to the school dance and slept in the car until the dance was over and then drove her home. They only live about a mile and a half from the school. 
but they didn't have enough money for gas to make those two trips. So they had to make the one trip. My mother told me that like, she kept track of like all of the things she spent on us, all of the expenses so that she could feel confident that, you know, we were, we were being treated equally. And in some ways it was, and it, and it doesn't, it didn't extend just to, you know, the material things um, in terms of like what school clothes we needed or what, whatever we needed, it extended to like equal chore time. Um, And so my brother had to do just as many chores and learn how to do things as my sister and I. My ex-mother-in-law, when I got married to my ex-husband now, she was apologizing to me because he doesn't know how to do anything. <laughs> and I imagine I'll be having that same conversation with my son. Oh, no. <laughs> where I'm apologizing that I babied him too much and he doesn't know how to do his fair share. Change the cycle, <laughs> Ashley. You can do it. I know. I get it. I'm going to sidetrack a little bit. How, how did you get into the work that you do. There's certainly that growing up of not living in poverty, but certainly having uh, the family dynamic, you know, not having as much or living in poverty. So I think probably just, you know, moving around. I'm just a naturally curious person. So then you sort of just, you learn about stuff or you read about stuff. Um, But in any event, I... I ended up in Kansas City because um, living in Columbia, Missouri was okay, but uh, after a year I was kind of bored and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had a friend who lived in Kansas City and growing up, we'd always driven through Kansas City. And so I thought, I'll go move to Kansas City. (laughs) (laughs) Not, you know, these days have much more planning genes in them, you know, they really think a lot, they think through. Um, but I, I also knew I could transfer from within the, the University of Missouri system. And so that was, mm-hmm. so ended up in MKC, what, really wanted just a full-on liberal arts degree, didn't want to have to get locked into a program, strung that out as long as I could until the administration said, <laughs> you have to pick something. <laughs> so um, I did and graduated. And my first job was working for Capital Tickets, which was the first computer like ticketmaster of concert ticket seller Whoa. in the Midwest for about a year and then ended up moving to advertising. And so I was in advertising for 10 years started out in marketing. Mm -hmm. And then I worked for the guy who hired me at Ernst and Ryan Advertising was a really smart guy, brilliant, very innovative, very forward thinking. Personal computers were first coming out. And he just knew that computers were going to be like really important and useful, got approval for his department to buy one and <laughs> it ended up on my actually he bought two let me rephrase that he bought uh, two one for him and one for me wow and i was given i was told figure out how to use it 
and I don't want any more documents on the typewriter. I want you to figure out. Yeah. Wow. Eventually other departments in the agency were like, look at what they're doing. We want to do that. And so because I had figured it out, other pe- I helped get other people up to speed. And mm. I think eventually it was, I, I had my two kiddos and by the time my, I was leaving Bernstein rain, Ron mm-hmm. had finished his degree and had started his job. I got hired at the Children's center for the, for the visually impaired and between them posting the job and then interviewing, they, they realized that probably it really needed to be full time. And was I, would I be okay with that? It was a school kind of schedule. And I was like, yeah, I could, you know, that would work. And, mm-hmm. and it was, wow. it was a environment that was, you know, more, a little bit, not a lot, not really not nearly as flexible as happy bottoms, <laughs> Believe me. but it was a school schedule and it was a little bit more flexible. So I could, I could navigate my, my mom piece. Almost and- everything is more flexible than the advertising world. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Then you were with uh, CCBI for a very, very long time. And for a we very are long time. Thrilled just, to have you with us now. You. So, so it just, and so, so at CCBI, just, you know, I have, I had a lot of, I'm kind of a jack of all trades. So yeah. I have computer stuff. I have some marketing stuff. I have some of this. I have some of that. Well, then um, you've probably learned a lot about leadership through the years. So, which leads to my next question. <laughs> We're all leaders in some way. Can you tell me how you are a leader and if there was a defining point or person that led to that? Sometimes when you're the oldest in the family, um, particularly at the time, I was raised, there's just an expectation that you had to, you know, do stuff and be in charge, (laughs) right or wrong. When you're told, you know, you're going to be responsible for your brother and sister while we're doing this and whatever, whatever, you may not like it, but you just have to deal with it. Yeah. I didn't think of that. You really, there is a lot of leadership that comes with being the oldest, whether you want it to or not. And probably a lot just, it just happens naturally. It just just happens. And you, Mm -hmm. you know, particularly the expectation is like, you're, you're, you're responsible. You, you figure you deal with it. Those days you just, you know, if your parents went out, I mean, I was, yep. You left left the kids in charge Mm -hmm. at a, fairly young age. I used to babysit a lot yeah. for families that had lots of kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, my mom, people would call my mother and say, you know, does Elizabeth babysit? My mom would say, sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> my first part-time job was at a movie theater. Oh, the best. And yes, we had, yes. I worked with <laughs> I, I, and I had the great fun of working with two of my best friends from high school. So we were, that's yeah. amazing. It was, so it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, definitely working as long as I did at the children's center for the visually impaired, they were a pretty small school. And as time passed and things were able to grow and expand. Mm-hmm. And so there were certainly you know, things that I learned in my time at the Children's Center for the Visually Impaired that were like kind of thrown at me 
And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. We'll see if I can figure it out. <laughs> um, like when you're working in a not-for-profit and there's, you know, I mean, the baseline is 110% of your energy and your time have to go into it. And, you know, you just learn to be extra creative. I mean, you just use every single brain cell you have to figure out how you're going to solve something. And, you know, I, I, I went into that job, like I'm going to, you know, work in the office and help with stuff and letters. And the week after I started, they got their very first, um, donor database program. Wow. And they were like, we're so glad you're here. Cause we don't, <laughs> we don't understand any of these things. And Sensing a like, theme in how you go like, into jobs. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, these are fun. You're going to like it. <laughs> so why do you think some of us end up in a pile of it and others get out clean? Uh, you know, a lot of it is just really luck and circumstance of, you know, where you end up on earth, literally. Um, I mean, I could have been born anywhere. So, you know, I don't know, I don't have the magic answer, but I think, you know, from, from my family, a lot the the, my family members who've, you know, kind of influenced me, it's, you know, we were just curious and yeah, I grew up in an environment, I grew up in an environment where everybody, the expectation was that you rolled up your sleeves, no matter what you did, you rolled up your sleeves, you did the work and it didn't matter what it was. You have to do it the very best that you absolutely can. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, whether it was helping my grandmother clean out the garage or. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. you just don't hear that a lot anymore. The, the just, you know, roll up your sleeves and do the very best, no matter what it is, do your very best. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it, and it, that was the added, I mean, that mm-hmm. was pretty much instilled in my siblings and myself from an early age. I mean, if you, if we were given, if we were told to do a chore, it was, you know, you had to do it correctly. Right. (laughs) You got to do it over again. There was no Um, negotiating. And it was, I mean, exactly (laughs) that. There was no negotiating. I mean, there was like, this is what you have to do. Right. So what do you most value? I don't know. I think I most value people. I mean, we do make the world go round. I think we do make the world go round. And then sometimes I'm not, I mean, some, you know, they're wonderful and they're frustrating and complicated. I have a lot. I I don't have enough time in my life to do all the one-on-ones with some people in the world because I'd like to help redirect them, but you know. (laughs) <laughs> but that would be a very full-time job. That would be, that would be too, very, that, very, I don't very, think I'm get very far with that. No. But, um, I mean, I just, I mean, I say people because I certainly value, you know, my family, my friends, mm-hmm. everybody's got a story. Everybody's got talents and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just. Well, I'm sure experience. as you've talked about your curiosity, I mean, that's probably pe- being just curious about people is I'm sure a huge mm-hmm. part of that too. Mm-hmm. So that makes total sense. Well, we could not be more thrilled that you are part of the Happy Bottoms team. And um, I can't wait to see how you help us 
become better and grow. And, um, Ashley, do you want to add anything or ask anything I might've missed? Can't really think of anything. I want to apologize for the constant hacking behind the mute button. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You're still, hopefully this will clear up. I know. Sorry. You've got that springtime. crud it was my turn so that's okay but we are so glad to have you and your experience and just you have like this just like calmness of presence which is so helpful in a nonprofit organization where things can kind of be chaotic behind the scenes so I think you'll be such a great asset to our leadership team and Mm -hmm. that's very sweet of you to say I'm very happy and thrilled to be with happy bottoms I can't see I can't wait to see what I do either, but you know, we'll see. (laughs) Very exciting. Thanks, Elizabeth. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was Elizabeth. I mean, we already know Elizabeth, you and I, but we did learn a little more, I think. <laughs> yeah, a lot more. I didn't know she yeah. went overseas when she was younger. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I know she's actually getting ready to head out on a vacation. Probably by the time this airs, she'll be back from vacation. But I can't wait to hear about that when she gets back. All right. Well, go feel better. Thanks. I'm going to try to. <laughs> yeah. I hope you, hope you can maybe just, I don't know, sleep the rest of the day or something. <laughs> Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll chat more on our next, our next podcast until then. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.